Well, good morning. Have you ever felt this way? Hmm. Well, this is not about how worthless we are or how meaningless we are or any of those that we're not sufficient, none of those things. This is about coming to a point in our lives where we realize that without God, we are not enough. As parents, how many times have you gone to the point where you felt like, I am not enough? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Constantly, always praying and hoping that somehow God can make up the lack. in our work, in our lives, everyday lives, we're constantly having to come to the point, and if we don't, we are deceiving ourselves. But we have to come to the point where we have to say, God, I am not enough. This sermon is a sermon about God's presence in our life. To experience God in our lives there's this great quote by C.S. Lewis. I love this. He says, we may ignore, and in fact, I bet all of us know people that do, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. Isn't that true? The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. It's very, very possible right now that God is sitting next to you. And he's incognito. There used to be an old song. And it went like, you know, what if God was one of us? Anybody ever hear that song? You know? And there was a time when God was one of us, by the way. We called him Emmanuel, God with us. Do you believe that you can truly experience the presence of God? Do you believe that? Do you believe that's possible? I want to help us understand what that looks like and possibly give you some ways that uh, have helped me to experience God's presence. So let's go to it. I want to give you kind of the cliff note version of Moses' life before we get to this text that I want to read. Moses, as you remember in the old stories, and if you've never heard it, this is a good, good, good way to learn the story, very fast, to the point. He, uh, the, the Egyptian pharaoh requested that all the children would be killed, and, uh, and so they, all the male boys were, were being killed, and uh, but they somehow were able to put Moses in a basket and put him in the Nile River, and he somehow survived. Can you imagine Moses growing up 
knowing that, that he is now in the house of Pharaoh being taken care of by this princess, do you think at any point he might have something called survivor syndrome? You know, it's like that guy that is the only survivor in the airplane crash. And here is Moses experiencing survival syndrome. A little later in the story, we find that Moses murders an Egyptian, and so he flees to Midian. There he becomes a shepherd. And then as a shepherd, years later, he sees this bush that won't go out. He goes to it and says, what is up with this bush? And he realizes that this bush is God. He sees God in this burning bush. In fact, he hears this voice. He experiences the presence of God, and he hears this voice that says, take the shoes off your feet because you are standing on holy ground. Can you imagine experiencing the presence of God to that degree? I'm sure that Moses said, I am not enough. In fact, as the discussion continues, he gets to the point where he says, uh, uh, I'm here, God, send Aaron, right? <laughs> the, don't send me. I, I'm not enough. I mean, I, and, and he's got this, this feeling about it all along. I, I'm not enough. You've got, you got to send somebody with me until God finally says, okay, I'll, I'll send Aaron with you. He's given a mission. He goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. The plagues come. The Passover angel comes. And they are freed. And then there's the experience of the parting of the sea, the manna and the quail, the water from the rock, and then Mount Sinai. And he gets the Ten Commandments. And once again up there, he experiences the presence of God. And he realizes even more so, I am not enough for this, God. Even though he's been through all of this really well, he's done a good job. And God's got to keep reminding him, it's okay, I got your back, I got you covered, everything's okay. And then, of course, his brother Aaron is left alone with the people, and he's weak. And there's a golden calf that comes out of the fire. You know that story, don't you? I love Aaron's response. I don't know what I was doing. I just threw the stuff in there and boom, out of this came out this golden calf, you know? You ever read that? It's like, really? Like, you, you want me to believe that, you know? And so God's people are disobedient. And Moses pleads for forgiveness for the people. And it is at this point that this text comes in. God and Moses have developed this friendship. And it says here that Moses said to God, look. I love this. You ever get this way? You ever talk to God like this? Like, look, you tell me, lead this people. You tell me, lead these children. You tell me, teach this Sabbath school. You tell me, go and make sure that this ministry is working. You tell me, pastor this church. You tell me, lead these 
people, but you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. <laughs> Moses is constantly saying, man, I need somebody to be with me. He understood something, by the way, that's very powerful, and that is two are better than one. That a cord of three is not easily broken. He understands the power of partnership. And he's like, listen, man, you know, you haven't told me who you're going to send with me. You tell me I know you well and you are special to me. Okay, that's nice. If I am so special to you, let me in on your plans. Include me. Involve me. That way I will continue being special to you. And then he says, don't forget. This is your people. This is your responsibility. You told me to do this. I was just a good shepherd doing my thing. And then, boom, burning bush. Next thing I know, this is where I am. Who you're going to send with me? And God says this. My presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. Wouldn't it be nice to hear God say that to us from time to time? What I'm going to share with you is not in any way, shape, or form an admission of, of pride or arrogance. It is more an admission of how many times I've said I am not enough. But I've gotten to the point where I heard God say to me, my presence will go with you, Serge. I'll see you in your journey to the end. I'll see that sermon to the end. There's not a sermon that I preach, and I'm telling you right now, I've been doing this for 30 years, which is way too long. 30 years I've been doing this. And for 30 years, you would think I'd be used to it by now. Oh, no, for 30 years, when you see me up there, my head is bowed. It's doing one song. Usually it's during a song because, because there's something about praising God that, puts me in this and, and I'm bowing my head and I'm closing my eyes and I'm becoming aware practicing the presence of God and I am saying to God I am not enough I don't have enough I am not enough I need you to speak through me have you ever heard yourself speak like, like a recording? You ever heard a recording of yourself? I cannot stand to hear my voice on a podcast. I can't, I can't stand this. I, I, just, I hate it. I, I don't know how you guys do it. Like, I pray for you guys all the time. Like, how do these people do this? How could, that's why I don't listen to my podcasts. No way. I'm done. It's good, too, they tell me, because it helps me to get better at what I'm doing. But all it does is it really kind of makes me more and more insecure. <laughs> Every time I hear myself, I'm like, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. God, what are you doing? Why, why me? Why couldn't you get somebody that was born in the USA and raised in the USA and can speak English well? I can't even spell well. I mean, you know. Why? But I got to tell you, when we get to that point, we experience the presence of God. Moses is persistent. He said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, 
Call this trip off right now. I've said that to God. All right, God, listen to me. If you're not going up there with me, I'm not going up. I'm just telling you that right now. It's not happening. You're going to have to prove to me that you're going up. I'm going to need to experience your presence here, there, when the spotlight is off, so that I can experience it here when the spotlight is on. So God, please take me to that place. How else will it be known that you are with me in this, with me and your people? Are are you traveling with us or not? (laughs) How else will we know that we're special, I and your people, among other people on this planet Earth? And God says to him, to Moses, all right, (laughs) I got you, I heard you. Just as you say, this also I will do, for I know you well and you are special to me. I know you by name. I wonder how many of you came into this church today saying, I'm not enough. I'm just going to do everything I can to hold it together. But I am falling apart. And God, if there was ever a time that I needed you, I I need you today. If there was ever a time I needed to hear something from you, today is the day I need to hear this. I am not enough. Please, God, show up in my life. A.W. Tozer says these words, Wouldn't you think that something so attractive would be at the forefront of every inquiring human being's desire? There are stumbling blocks along the way. However, there are of such a nature as to keep out all but those who have an impassioned desire for the presence of God. See, all of you can experience the presence of God if you're willing to get rid of all the stumbling blocks. We're going to talk about those stumbling blocks, but the good news is, is that those stumbling blocks are things that you have the ability to, to, to get rid of. Because here's the promise, God will be by your side while you're doing that. It says, a desire stronger than the draw of anything else in life. When the goal is in clear view, the obstacles become trivial. And then I like this one sentence word, or I guess it's two, <laughs> let's. I love that. And I first saw that, I said, okay, there's wrong, something wrong. Right? I misspelled something, because <laughs> I'm good at that. But that's not... That's exactly what it says. That's a one that she says, let's, let's do it. Let's get to the point where we desire God's presence stronger than the draw of anything else in life. Would you like that? Aren't there things that are just drawing you that you wish they were not? So right now is a good time to say, you know what, I would like that. I am not enough 
So Moses has this intimate moment with God. And God's presence causes Moses to shine. There's this wonderful passage that says, When Moses came down from the mount, or from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hand, there he was in the presence of God. It says he was not aware that because he was in the presence of God, his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. We're not talking about Hanford radiation here. We're talking about God radiation here. I love this. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were what? Afraid to come near him. Why? Because he had been in the presence of God, and he was shining. Wouldn't it be awesome to come in the presence of God, and you're shining so much so that people are afraid of you? There's a story in the New Testament where God delivers this, this young man from being uh, uh, demon-possessed. The people had known him as a demon-possessed man all their, his life. And now suddenly he is sitting there, the Bible says, in his, right man fully in his right mind, fully clothed. And it says, and the people were afraid. And we always think that they were afraid of Jesus and maybe a little bit of that too. But I think they were afraid of this guy because I think this guy was now radiant with the glory of God because of what God had done in his life. Have you ever met people like that? Have you ever met people? You're like, man, what's up with this person? They're shining. There's something up with that. I can tell you what's up. They've been in the presence of God. So I'm going to give you some very practical five things that I've learned in my life that have helped me to experience the presence of God. Is that, is that okay? Can we do something practical like that? All right, so number one. <clears throat> They'll be up here so that you can write them down if you'd like. Number one, genuinely admit your brokenness. So you say, oh, that's easy. No, not really. Most of us struggle with genuinely, I should have underlined that word, admitting our brokenness. You know, to get to the point where we say, God, I'm broken. I'm not enough. I remember as a young pastor, and, and, and I got to be honest with you, if I was going to be wide open and vulnerable with you, there are still days like this, not as many as they were then, because then I was taught, you know, fake it till you make it, right? You ever heard that? Worst piece of advice, let me tell you that right now. So I was faking it till I made it, you know? As a young pastor, I wasn't sure what I was doing. I was making all kinds of mistakes. And I, do you ever pray this prayer, God, please, today, just today, Help me to be the person I pretend to be. Is that just me? Just, am I the only one? Lord, please help me to be the person everybody else thinks I am. Do you ever pray this prayer? This is very similar to Nancy's prayer when I get up to preach. God, please make Sergio more intelligent than he really is. 
and funnier than he really is. We have to get to the point where we admit our brokenness, where we confess our sins. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to who? The brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, if you want to experience the closeness of God, you've got to get to the point where you say, God, I am broken. My heart is just broken. I, I am a broken person. In Psalm 51, this is David's psalm that he, that he actually bursts forth in singing after he had uh, sinned with Bathsheba, that story. You know that story, don't you? And, he's, and, he's, and he, gets, he gets confronted by Nathan, the prophet. And, and he's sitting there and he says, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about this, you know. And then he bursts forth in a song, and it's a song of confession. I want to tell you something, whether you can sing or not, whether you can sing like Jesse or you can sing like me, whenever you confess and your brokenness to God, it's music to God's ears. I just want you to know that. And in that song, David says, create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your what? Presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. This is the prayer of brokenness. I love this other quote by A.W. Tozer. He says, if God cannot disturb us, Anybody feeling disturbed this morning? I'm disturbed all the time. If God cannot disturb us, he cannot what? Move us. And if he cannot move us, he cannot save us. If he cannot get us concerned about the things of God, he cannot do anything for all, at all for us. You say, but I don't want to be disturbed. Well, you don't get it. If you don't get disturbed, you can't experience God's presence. You can't experience God's salvation. We must be disturbed to experience that. Does that make sense? We have all got to get to that point where we're saying, I don't care if you've been raised since a little baby in the church. I don't care if you've come to church every single Sabbath without missing one Sabbath all your life. I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care how much you pray, how much tithe you pay. I don't care what you're doing for, for the kingdom of God right now. Unless you got to a point where you genuinely admit your brokenness, you cannot experience the presence of God. If you want to experience the presence of God and you haven't done so, this is the first thing you ought to do. Say, God, please help me to experience this level of brokenness. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do, the Bible says. So God, I, I, I don't know how to do it. I, I've never experienced this brokenness. Please help me to experience this brokenness. And another thing I'm going to say to you, if you have experienced this brokenness many, many years ago because something happened to you and it led you to that brokenness, don't you rest on your laurels. I have continuously have to get to the point where I recognize my brokenness. So, number two. How are we doing, okay? 
Some of these are going to seem like, really? Yes, really. Number two says, read the scriptures aloud. The Israelites had this ancient practice of reading the Bible out loud. And it kind of developed through the years, and here's how it developed. They realized something. Every time they stopped reading the scriptures aloud or out loud, the people went into rebellion. They kind of backslid. And then what would happen is somebody would discover the scriptures of the law and they would start reading it out loud again and they would become, have this revival. And they saw this over and over again. They said, wait a minute, what are we doing here? We should be reading the Bible out loud all the time. When's the last time, not in church, on your own, you read the Bible out loud? Good. Some of us get so used to reading the Bible to ourselves, which is good. Don't, don't, don't stop that. I'm just saying there's power. I believe there is supernatural power in reading the Word of God out loud. It was the Word of God that put all these things into being, the Bible says. It was the Word of God that when God spoke it, it created. And then there's this wonderful verse that says, for the word of God is what? Living and what? Powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. If you ever read the word of God out loud and actually heard it, And you were like, wow, I didn't realize it said that. There is something different about reading it out loud and hearing it out loud that just changes what you get out of it and what it does, the miraculous work that it does. So I practice this. I read the Bible out loud. I'll go somewhere and I'll just be reading the Bible. People sometimes will see me in my car and I'm I'm just saying things out loud from the Bible that I remember. And they're looking at me like, who is he talking to? Not so much these days because now you can just wear an earpiece and you're just, it's like you're talking on the phone, right? And so, no, you know what I'm talking about, right? But it used to be really weird for people. I, I, I would go in the woods and start reading the Bible out loud or reading a, a, a good, good Christian book out loud. And it says this, that the Bible, the Word of God, catch this, Don't miss this. The word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you know what that says? Let me freak you out a little bit here. What that is saying is that as you are reading it, it is reading you. As you are reading that word out loud, it is reading you. It knows whether you are genuinely, truly wanting to read this because you want to connect with the Father above. There is power in reading the living word out loud. If you haven't done that in a while, will you try it for me? So admit your brokenness. Read the word of God out loud number three praise him 
I know, you're like, this is it? This is so simple. It, it is. And, and just so you know, I, I've learned in my life, it's not any one thing, it's the combination of all these. Praise Him. The Bible says, you are holy. You inhabit the praises of Israel. What does that mean? He is present in your praises. So when you praise him, he cannot help but be there. Does that make sense? I love this about God. He inhabits the praises of Israel. I remember, most of you know I, I play drums. But I came in through a very conservative church, so when I became a Christian, I stopped playing the drums for many, many years, over 15 years. I, I still played the, you know, the table, my lap, the steering wheel, you know. Once you have rhythm, you can't, <laughs> you can't get rid of that. It's just rhythm. That's what it is. It's what you got. And I remember at Blue Mountain Academy, I was there one day, and some students asked me, some of you have heard this before. They asked me if I would play the drums for one of their worship times. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't think that's a good idea. Not because I didn't think it was wrong, but because I hadn't played for many years and wasn't sure I could still do it. And number two, I uh, didn't want anybody to see me in the wrong light. I remember this one specific individual, his name is Matt, Matt Master. Matt just, I knew him since he was six years old, so he just, come on, Pastor Serge, please, Pastor Serge. And I couldn't say no to him, and so I said, okay, I will. And I remember trying to hold some sticks for the first time in 15 years, man, it was... It was amazing. And I realized immediately is I hadn't really forgotten much at all. And the first song we ever played was Our Great is Our God. And can I tell you, I was crying my eyes out. God was inhabiting my praise through playing this instrument through using this talent that I had buried for so many years. Students looked at me like I was crazy. They didn't understand why I was crying. Years later, I got to talk to Matt. He worked for me as a youth pastor in Maryland. We talked about that moment. And he's like, well, I'll tell you the truth, Pastor Serge, what really was going on in my mind is I couldn't look at you because I didn't want to cry. I knew that this was a special moment for you. And so I've been playing ever since. <laughs> Not as much as I like to or as much as I get chance to, but every opportunity I can, uh, I like to do it. Because it's one way that my being experiences praise 
Uh, I love singing the songs. It doesn't matter what songs, whether we're singing hymns or some of the more contemporary songs. I just love singing songs to God because while I'm singing those songs and I am singing them out loud, God is inhabiting our praise. If it is genuine praise. If we're just going through the routine, guess what? It's not going to happen. So you sit there and go, well, that's never happened to me. Well, maybe just it's because you've just, you've just kind of done it routinely. Maybe, maybe it's good to think about what you're thinking about. Maybe it's good to kind of think about what, was the, what the author of the song meant. What was he saying? Why did he mean this? What, you know, in fact, I want to tell you something. This sermon was birthed from a discussion that Jesse and I were having last week. Uh, we, uh, it was a mosaic, in fact, and we, we played a song, and he says, man, one day you got to do a sermon on this. I go, oh, send me the song. We'll do it next week. So God used that song to birth this sermon. I mean, I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think about how God just loves to inhabit the praise of his people. So genuinely admit your brokenness. Read the scriptures aloud. Praise him. And when I say praise him, I mean heartfelt, raw, uncensored. Think about David dancing. That kind of praise him. And then number four. Silence the competing voices. And probably today this is more important than it's ever been before. There are so many things competing for our attention. Isn't that true? So, I try really hard to find some alone time, unplugged, by myself. Sometimes, more often than not, if I can, I like being in nature. Where I live in West Richland, there's not that much nature. But there are these three lakes off of Bombing Range, which is a great nature road. <laughs> Sorry. And I like to walk around those, those, those lakes. And, and while I'm walking around those lakes, I'm listening to sermons or I'm listening to songs. And sometimes things come out of my mouth, but I can't hear it because I've got my headphones on. Couldn't care less if anybody else hears it. There's a little bench by lake number two. I like to sit on that bench sometimes and just look at the ducks and say, God, what were you thinking? Right? I mean, have you ever looked at some nature and said, man, how'd you do that? See, alone time in nature helps us to connect with the God who created nature. Now, again, most of you, many of you, go out in nature all the time. I'm talking about going intentionally out in nature to experience the presence of God. It's a little different, isn't it? There's a big difference between going out in nature because you like hiking and you like doing this, and you're like, that's great. I'm not saying don't do that. All I'm saying is that's a big difference between that and going out in nature to experience the presence of God, to intentionally look at the ducks, the trees, to smell the smells of God. 
<laughs> let's, let's see if you can do this little exercise for me right now. Right now, just real quick. Look around you, real quick, and make a note of everything that is red. So if you look around, you begin to have, because I asked you to, this thing called a red mindset, right? And some of you are, 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 are more intense than others, and you will be like in a red mindset for a couple of hours. You ever buy a car, and then you start seeing that make of that car all the time? That's why I bought the car I bought. You can't find my car anywhere. <laughs> now... What's up with that? Well, I'll tell you what's up with that. It's all about saying, okay, God, I am coming to spend some time with you to be in the God mindset. And if you are looking for God, you will find God. Are you following what I'm saying here? I love these verses. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Is that possible? Is it possible to be where God is and not be aware of it? Is that possible? I think it happens all the time. God says, be still and know that I am God. I think God knew that we were going to move too fast, that our heartbeats were going to be always at like crisis mode, RPMs constantly going, going, going. He's like, oh, just sit down at the bench, Serge. Just sit down over here and just watch me through the ducks. Be still and know that I am God. And then we all know this story of Elijah. And it says, and Elijah stood there. The Lord passed by in a mighty windstorm in the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. Part of the reasons why we struggle understanding and seeing God or being aware of his presence is because we're looking for him in the wind. But sometimes he's not in the wind. And it says, and after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. See, some of us think that the way to experience God is to experience him through some, some amazing, wonderful earthquake type of experience but God doesn't always ap become apparent in those ways you know the story well don't you and after the earthquake there was a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire there was the sound of a gentle whisper when Elijah heard it when Elijah heard it he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And he heard a voice saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? See, quieting the competing voices in our lives allows us to hear God in his whisper. Does that make sense? So, 
genuinely admit the brokenness, read the scriptures aloud, praise him, silence the competing voices, and then finally number five, this is the last one, boldly go before his presence. What does that mean? I love this verse in uh, Proverbs. Cry out for wisdom and beg for understanding. Search for it like silver and hunt for it like hidden treasure. And then you will understand respect for the Lord and you will find that you know God. Catch that. What is, it, what is the wisest man that ever lived is saying? He's saying, look, if you're going to approach God, and we just learned that God, while you read his word, he can read you. He knows what's going on in your mind. When you're going to approach God, don't approach with him just as if he was some, some common thing. Cry. When do you cry out loud when something intense is happening? Isn't that true? How do you search for silver? You don't be like, oh, look at that. Maybe there's some silver. No. You get out a shovel and you start like digging here and there. Start, you're, you're, you're looking for it. It's important. You know, you're gathering some material and you you see you're digging here a little bit and you're digging there a little bit you just this is what God wants you to do and part of the problem here is that we kind of take it nonchalantly some years ago we went on a mission trip to Baños Ecuador it's a beautiful place and it was in the First day, I think, we were there. And uh, David Ferguson, my friend who's coming to speak in March, and I, we were on this trip with Spencer Hanna. Uh, Spencer, I believe, was at a work site at the time. Dave and I, we had the task of going out and finding what are some things that we can get the students to do that would be kind of fun. And so we were kind of we, we had never been to Banos before. We have no idea. So we're going around asking places. There's all these places you can go for, like, whitewater rafting and, and other things, you know. And, and it was about uh, 10.30 in the morning, and we saw this little coffee shop. That's dangerous for me, by the way. And so Dave's like, why don't we go in there? And so we went there and just to sit down and have some coffee. And we're there for a little bit. And suddenly I see two students, our students, going, because they had big glass walls going by. And they looked in and they go, they point at us. I'm like, I wonder what they want. And they came in. And they spoke right to Dave. And they said, Pastor Dave, can we speak to you for a moment? I'm like, what what am I, invisible here? What's going on? And you could just tell there was this look. Chris, Chris French had this look on his face like this was not a good thing. Like something bad must have happened. But why are they not telling me? And Dave walks out, and I could see them talking. You can see a lot on people's expressions, can't you? And it was almost, I couldn't hear it, but it was almost as if I could, I could hear Dave go, don't look at him, don't look at him. And I just bolted right outside. I go, okay, okay, what's going on? And Chris got all teary-eyed, and he's like, 
Pastor Serge, the first thing that came out of his mouth, she's okay. My daughter had been on the trip with us and my wife on this trip. And I'm like, she, she's okay? Something happened to Nancy? or No, no, Brianna. But she's okay. I'm like, okay, when you start with she's okay, I want to know what gets up to she's okay. You know what I mean? And apparently some of them had a little bit of time off. And they decided to go four-wheeling down this mountain. They rented four-wheelers. And apparently one of them, the brakes didn't work too well. And Brianna is on the back of this four-wheeler with this young man named Ryan. And she hears him say, hold on, hang on, the brakes are not working. And they're explaining this to me. But she's okay. We just need to get back there. She, she was unconscious for a little bit. And, but she woke up. Oh, okay. As we were driving to the spot, we, we got a little taxi. I began to cry inside. Cried to the Lord like a child trapped in an empty well. You know what I'm talking about? I cried out loud. And I basically said, God, please, I need you to touch my daughter. I need you to give Nancy and I strength. Oh, God, where's Nancy? And God, we are here in Baños, Ecuador. Please provide a skilled physician. And went back and saw my daughter. And I had the most amazing experience of God's presence in my life. Total calmness and peace. Until we got to what they called the hospital. The hospital was unique. There was actually a dog there in the emergency room, just kind of walking around. The doctor was there. And I got to tell you, make a long story short, the doctor had taken x-rays and determined that she had fractured her pelvis bone. And that she was going to be in a lot of pain for the rest of this trip. And probably for a long, long time. She gave her some very powerful medicine. And then got us a wheelchair. And we realized something about Banos. Interesting enough, if you ever go... It was, the, and it's, I've been on many mission trips. I had never seen this before in any of the towns. But this city actually had wheelchair accessibility 
everywhere. You know, like all the uh, sidewalks had wheelchair accessibility. And I'm like, what is up with that? Well, apparently these accidents happen quite often. We spent some pretty harrowing nights with Brianna. Poor Nancy. She just sat there and prayed and we prayed. And Please, God, let your love rise above every fear that we have. But there was never a minute where I felt or Nancy felt forsaken. Something happens when we go boldly before his presence and we cry out for wisdom, we cry out for God's glory, God's understanding, God's mercy. Something happens that is so powerful. It is in those moments when you experience God's presence probably the most. Isn't that true? Because I know many of you have been there. And that's why the author of Hebrews says, let us Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me just tell you something real quick about this verse. This verse is not saying that when we have time of mercy, at that point we get to go boldly before the throne of grace. What the author of Hebrews is actually saying is we should go boldly before the throne of grace in a regular way. So that when the time of mercy comes, we get to experience God's presence. We get to see him work. We recognize we are aware of it. Are you getting the difference? Yes? So I'm hoping that today you will genuinely admit your brokenness. Read your scripture aloud. Praise him. Silence the competing voices in every way you can and boldly go before his throne. And I know that if you do these things and you do them genuinely, you will experience the presence of God like you've never experienced it enough. You will experience this in such a way that, that, that will blow your mind. We've got to get to the point that all we should ever want is all that God is. So would you say it with me? I am not enough. I am not enough. We are not enough. But we can be connected to the one who not only is something and can do anything, but he is abundant and all sufficient. Amen?